Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is June 8th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinofsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. I hope you guys are enjoying when these come out on, later in the day on Tuesday so Connor and I can be completely caught up on everything. Uh, let me know if they're not. Let me know if you like them. Just give, give me some input on it. Let me, let me, let me know. Cause I don't, obviously, who knows if the season goes until next week. <laughs> I know it's depressing, but I do enjoy doing this better because I would hate hate i hate it and i and you guys know this i hated doing the shows where we do a monday but there was a game monday night and during the regular season it's unavoidable like it's whatever it's one regular season game but during the playoffs it's a lot more important obviously and thank god we waited for game five to happen because uh there was a lot to talk about and there were a lot of big storylines that we talked about in this episode stemming from that game that are going to define the Bruins season there's a there's three in here that are going to be Things that when you think of the 2021 Bruins, it's what you're going to think of. So this episode was important. Might not, might not be the most fun to listen to. Might not be the most positive, but in terms of importance, in terms of legitimate storylines, this is the episode. This is the defining episode. So I, I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get to it though, the Bruins might change here and there, but what never changes is the reliability of bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and your UFC and MMA action. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Literally imagine it. Boom. It's there. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up before the next pitch, before the next puck drop, before the next tip-off. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? 
I'm doing well. It's uh, it's hot outside. I, I know I, I hate starting with the weather, but I was just outside for like a few minutes and just being outside for five to 10 minutes, my head was just drenched in sweat. And I'm like, wow, 92 degrees. This is, this is what it feels like, isn't it? So nice that it's going to be uh, cooling off a little bit in the next coming days. So that's never a, that's never a bad thing. Uh, but at any rate, there are things to talk about with the Bruins a lot, actually. And there's stuff, obviously people are pissed off after game five at the officiating and we'll get to that stuff, but there's not a lot to debate that. Like, aside from just talking about how bad the officiating has been, uh, which we all know. So I want to start with, I think the most pressing issue this Bruins team might face all season. And we were waiting for this to happen going into the playoffs. We, we talked about it through Washington. We talked about it early in this series against the Islanders. We talked about it, the health of Tuka Rask, you know, was it going to hold up? When was this kind of bubble going to burst? He was playing really well against Washington, played really well in the first four games against the Islanders. And the injury, you know, they'd always talk about it. It was always there, but he was, he was working through it. And game five was the first time when he got pulled. He got pulled after two periods. Cassidy said it was all maintenance, 100% maintenance. Obviously, he didn't play too hot, uh, but it was mainly maintenance. He, the injury was, was popping up again. And they're faced with this decision going into game six, and they seem pretty convinced that Rask is going to be the guy going into uh, game six. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, do you think they should go with Rask or do you go with the healthy Swayman? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough call now because, I mean, if you listen to Bruce Cassidy's comments on uh, Tuesday morning, uh, it was more or less like it, it seemed a lot more of a shorter thing after after uh, the, the game five loss. Like, yeah, Rask, we, we expect to be back again. Then it's like, oh, we'll see how he is tomorrow is what the kind of message was on Tuesday, which – not great, right? We don't really know exactly how he's going to, you know, hold up going into morning skate to see where he's at. So, listen, it, it, it's a tough call now going into it because, again, I don't think either Rask or Swayman are going to go into a, a good spot at this point because I, I, it, it's all about do you try to mix things up and maybe you hope that Swayman gives you a spot where he's healthy especially. But here's the thing is – uh Swayman might be the guy to switch things around this series, but he's you're putting a, a decimated defense in front of him. Like, I think, obviously, you know, we'll talk about the officiating. That's a big part of it because it was ridiculous yesterday. Some, like the the disparity of of how that that game was tilted, but that your defense in PK was decimated by a team that's not supposed to do that, right? We're not talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Colorado Avalanche. They ran circles around your defense and diced you up in the grade A ice. And with Kevin Miller and Brendan Kylo both out for next game, probably going to get a lot more of those slot chances once again. So it's it's a not an enviable spot for either one of Rask or Swayman going into this game. Uh, I imagine if they think Rask is even 80 85%, uh, you know, he, he goes in there just because, uh, again, it's not like you're getting these reinforcements on the blue line. They're going to help you out. Like we saw how good Swayman was during the regular season, but also you had a, a defense that was playing well around him, guys blocking shots. Are you going to get that again in this game? Like just look at how the last few games have gone with Kahlo and Miller out of the lineup. Like you've led in so many uncharacteristic seam passes and, and slot chances that, aren't supposed to happen against this team that besides Barzal is a bunch of, you know, they've got good players in Bovillier and Bailey, but this team's not supposed to dice you up. It's unacceptable the way the last few games have gone. So 
you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, especially with the Rask narrative, right? Because regardless of how this series plays out, Rask isn't going to win, right? It's going to be he's either playing hurt and hurt his team by doing that, or if he's hurt enough that Swayman steps in and is better than, you know, Rask, Rask gave up again. So it's it's a losing scenario any way you put it. Like this this game five has tilted so much in terms of the narrative of the series and the long-term outlook of how this series is going to go, especially with the injuries that whichever way you dice up how they go, uh, you can't really feel good about how the other teams looking right now. No, the, it does. This does not feel like a, a change in the Rask narrative. That's for sure. I mean, I also just think again, like you look at the, the, the high danger chances, the Islanders are getting the, the point blank chances they're getting. And that comes from like just horrendous defense in front. I mean, Mike Riley, has had some really tough games uh, the past few ones covering his guys in front. Um, and, you know, you can go down the list of, of guys after Grizzlick and McAvoy. It's a big drop-off right now. That's a big drop-off. Um, and again, like, you have Brandon Carlo and Kevin Miller there. Things change. You know, you do, they're guys you don't have to play. You know, you can – you have the Carlo matchups, which always uh, favor you. That helped you get to the 2019 Stanley Cup Final. So, to me, I, I'm on the fence because I, it's tough. When you think about it, because obviously you want to Rask in there. That's your guy. You know, you want him in there hundred percent of the time feeling hundred percent, but the issue is how bad is this injury? And we'll never really know until after the season ends when everything gets, right. you know, pretty much released. Like, Hey, he was dealing with this, 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 and this. We know kind of what it is. We don't really know how bad it is because he's been playing through it. But if, if, if you, I, I get the, bad defense in front, but if they're going to be those point blank chances, Rask didn't look too good against those point blank chances in game five. And you have to wonder, is a healthier, younger Swayman going to be better with those point blank chances with the poorest defense in front of him? It's a question you have to ask. And I don't think it's totally far-fetched to say Swayman should start game six, just given that, you know, especially if you win game six and Rask gets an extra couple days to be healthier for game seven, maybe you do that. Then I guess if Swayman wins that game, then it's like, well, maybe he has to start game seven too. It's a horrendous position for a coach to be in. And I think, you know, and again, obviously you're going to hear a lot of opinions over the next 24 hours on who should start. I don't think it's far-fetched to say Swayman should start. I I don't think that's like a crazy thing to do. I don't think if someone says that they're Um, Mm anti-Rask. And I think that that, you know, it's it's tough because, again, we all want to see Rask carry this team like we're waiting for it, you know, and he has twice. He's been let down by bad defense and bad offense in front of him twice now. Um, but I just think that the Swayman thing, it's intriguing. It's intriguing because some of the, you know, again, I, I noticed this in warmups in game five, Rask looked a little slower than he normally does. And I know obviously it's warmups, you know, it's not everything, but just slow. And you just, you know, see the glove move, you know, the high glove with the bars all goal. That was a little slow. And you just wonder, you know, you just, do you, do you want him in for game six if he's not even near 100% because he didn't look 100% last night? And so uh, I think it is, you know, difficult decision, and we'll see what they end up doing uh, with that. You hit the defensive point, which I wanted to hit after. It is incredible. And it's, this is a great example of a team or of, of, of why you can never have enough defensemen. And, you know, it's really unfortunate in this situation that your depth are young, even younger more inexperienced players. Like, you know, let's say you don't like Lazan's game. You know, we were saying this last week. Are you going to put into, you know, you're going to put in Zaboral or Vakaninen? You know, do you not like uh, Connor Clifton's game? Okay, well, you have no one, no one on the right side that yeah. can come in and step in. You have no right shot defense with. Um, so what, what, like, what changes? 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, not, not not to like even take a step back, but if you want to say with Swayman of, of starting him at this point, like what's there to lose because your defense is still outrageously shorthanded. Like what, what it's going to be the, there's no reinforcements on the way for the Bruins in this series. You know, you can find the silver lining of how they dominated even strength play, but um, that defense is still uh, uh, sticking out like a sore thumb when you look at whether it be even strength or on the power, on the penalty kill. I mean, I think we looked at the last series against Washington and that was a big question mark is Bruins have a great PK, but how are they going to handle Washington that has, you know, I think they were 31% against the Bruins during the regular season. And that was a turning point in the series. The Capitals didn't get much of anything in that series on the power play going to this series against New York, which I think is 20th in the league in power play in the regular season. You'd think the thing like the, the 70 Soviet Union teams are out there. I mean, like it's, far, but it's one that they look just overmatched, but also goals that are just far too easy. Steam passes getting through guys, you know, unchecked in the slot. It, it's, you're missing that, those net front options, those guys that can clear out bodies that are staying in front of the goalie blocking shots in, in Miller and Kahlo. And it's been noticeable right now. I mean, you look at this team and guys like, you know, Lozon get pressed in who have done PK work before, but when your PK has, uh, you know, Connor Clifton or Mac Grizzlick out there on PK, that's not what you want in terms of personnel, right? Like it, you do, you make do with what you have, but that's not the group you want to have out there in terms of uh, negating a power play that during a regular postseason during a series like this, we mapped it out. The Bruins should be, you know, clearing most of these chances against the Islanders. The Islanders are at their best when they're grinding, grinding teams down, you know, getting timely scoring. They're not supposed to be like landing multiple haymakers on the power play. That's not how this series is supposed to go. And I mean, if we want to look at, you know, if the Bruins come up short in the series, you have to look at that Kahlo injury as the thing that changed it. Because uh, even you look at the job he did and, you know, Kahlo, Hasn't had, I think, the best postseason. I think especially early on uh, in this series, he had some trouble like handling the puck in, in the O zone, and that was an issue. But uh, he got a, a lion's share of the minutes against Barzal. And even if it's not something that can kind of be equated by some you know underlying metrics, you looked at just the, the tape he had of how good Kahlo is at breaking up cycles, of getting in front of a guy like Barzal and accounting for him, steering him away from great ice. He lost that. And now Barzal's heating up, and the great A ice is over now for this team and they're burying their chances. Like they Islanders know how to get their timely scoring. Like, I mean, give credit to them, how they executed in this series, but um, you, you look at the state of this defense and you don't have a, a guy that can step in that gives you like, all right, like here's a breath of fresh air. Like even like a camper who you don't have, who would have been, I think key in this series of just a stabilizing force. And as you said, there's not like a, uh, a guy down the pipeline that maybe is not ready yet, but like at this point you trot him out there and see how they do. You know, you don't have like a McAvoy in 2017, obviously, but even just a guy that you think could vie, you know, vibe for minutes next year. Like Vakanina has not done that. Zaboral, you know, we don't know what his status is, but even if he was healthy, is he a guy that you view as a savior coming in? Like you look at whether it be the, the team's inability to get extra depth on that blue line or the failings of not, getting more dependable younger players that are projecting to be capable NHLers, you're stuck in the situation where, you know, Jared Tenorti, I think is a good waiver wire pickup, but he's not the guy that's going to tilt the series in your favor. And you need more guys along with him at this point, because 
you just don't have enough bodies to kind of protect that net front right now. Just to go back to the Swayman thing, because I just thought of this. When you really think about it, uh, if the Bruins put in Swayman and lose, they can always bank on Rask was too injured to play. And you'll, and not many people are going to say, well, if Rask was in there, it would have been totally different because he was injured. Uh, but if Rask goes in and is injured and it doesn't play well and the Bruins lose four to two or something along those lines, we'll always kind of wonder, <clears throat> well, how would Swayman have done in that situation? You know? What would, what would Swayman have done in that situation? Would it have been better? Would he have played better? Just, it's questions you ask. And obviously they're not coaching for those questions to be answered and asked. They don't, they don't care. But it is an interesting point of like, if Rask goes in injured and they lose, you know, you always, you'll always kind of wonder, Hey, maybe if Swayman went in, it'd be different. So, uh, that kind of is like the under, I think that's the biggest, maybe storyline of the year because it's what their season kind of rests on. Um, which is not what we expected the season to be resting on uh, early in the season. But obviously, as time went on, we knew this would happen at some point. Unfortunately, though, it's much earlier um, than most expected. And on the defense, yeah. I mean, you need more depth. You need to get more depth next year. You need some right shot uh, defenders. And uh, that's a whole bigger issue. And that's a whole other issue of you have to be better at drafting and developing your guys. You know, I mean, back and Zaboral have been massively massively underwhelming um, through this season, through their time here. So I, I just like at this point, leave the 6D out there who are there and you make do with what you got and you hope for the best. And it's crazy because even if they beat this Islanders team, even if they find a way to do it, which I have doubts that they will. I said this to you last night, the series kind of feels over, but you're going to go face Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> with this defense, a legitimate I mean, you imagine? Power, like elite power play. I mean, yeah. if you're seeing what is going on right now. Shit, like look at that power play, man. Yeah, like good luck. Good luck handling that. If you can't take, you know, Brock Nelson, Anthony Bavillier, and you know Josh Bailey, have a good time with Kucherov, Stamkos, Braden Point. You know, Mikhail Sergachev. Like, good luck with that. So that's something that's going to have to change. Now, again, I I don't. I don't know the status of Carlo. I know that he isn't traveling for game six. He rode the bike the other day. It sounds like this has kind of re-aggravated his head injury. So I wouldn't expect him back anytime soon. And Kevin Miller's so unpredictable. Who knows? So this is the D you got. He's your six D. So obviously you got to deal um, with that. Now we can get to the officiating. Uh, the officiating has been brutal. And it was, it, I it's crazy when you think like it felt like the comments after game four and everything that happened in game four with some of the missed calls, you thought, well, there's no way that it could get like way worse. It's, it's too public. Like people are watching for this. Like there's no way, there's no way. And then lo and behold, the Bruins couldn't even get a delay game penalty called on the Islanders uh, in game five, let alone like a high stick, let alone anything. And I'm very curious <clears throat> if the NHL is going to come down harder on the Bruins in these games. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, as you said, after that game four, I think a lot of us are going into game five expecting, all right, Cassidy kind of has it out there. Kind of similar to like trots, you know, bringing up the, the Bergeron thing. Like it's out in the, it's out in the public now. It's out in the sphere. You wonder if it's going to get lodged in the back of these refs minds in terms of, you know, being more cognizant of not just, you know, Bergeron the face offs, but just the Islanders, you know, and these penalties not getting called. Uh, did not happen at all. Uh, you know, it's, and again, I think we've talked about this before. Like I, I hate 
hopping on officiating in a game or a series. Like, obviously, you've got to talk about it when it's a game like this or like game five against the final. But, you know, there's so many other factors that go into it, but it's getting tough to ignore. And now it's rooted into the narrative of this series, unfortunately, is just the officiating. Because, again, it's not like, you know, I see people pushing back about, like, you can't be whining about the officiating. And I don't think the issue is the Bruins getting calls. Like, Bruins have committed a few, you know, the Crowley, like, ticky-tack, what have you. So got to kill those penalties, which they've not done. But you need to have some of these obvious calls that have been against the Islanders get called because what is the equalizer in this series is if the Bruins get more power play reps. It's not like the Bruins' power play has been inefficient against the, the Islanders in this series. You know, if they got another one-two power plays in that game, probably going into overtime, right, if you look at just the way they were operating. So, um, yeah, it, it – I going into game five, I thought it was going to be a situation kind of like the, the Baruby bamboozle where he, he talks about it and gets put out there. Now we'll see what happens. I mean, if, you know, Cassidy's comments that warranted a $25,000 fine, uh, if that's not going to get the ref's attention, are they going to just be like, all right, well, you know, we're flipping the bird at the Bruins and you want to complain about it? Like, all right, you know, are they going to, are they going to be the cop from the town when like they pull up and he sees them and turns his head around? Like, or is it going to be, be more cognizant of it because it's not like they're these are ticky tack infractions that they're missing like yeah it's one thing if you 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 know see a guy get you know interference or what have you if it's a high stick usually you tend to notice that it's a pretty egregious uh thing to notice on the ice that are not getting called or delay a game or what have you so um yeah it, it Again, it's like when you deal with the NHL, how they handle suspension, where you spin the wheel. Who knows what the refs are going to call in this one? Like, you would imagine, considering the narrative surrounded, that it's going to be called tighter, but I think we probably expected that going into game five, and it turned out to be an absolute shitstorm. So, by the way, if you hear anything in the background, I don't know if you can hear this, Connor. They're mowing the lawn outside. So, if there's any loud, like, weird noises, it's the, it's the lawnmower. So, gotcha. I, don't, I don't, maybe you, maybe you guys can't hear it. I, I have no idea. But you're really um, playing, like, house music in, like, the room next. <laughs> Or something, but like when I was up at school, like, him, yeah. Or when I was up at school, friends would be playing stuff on the speakers downstairs. Like, guys, shut up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, and I also a little respect to the Bruins on this for the uh, for this. They don't flop, or they haven't been flopping. Uh, like Craig Smith gets that high stick to the face. He doesn't do the you know the old you know the mm-hmm. oh like and people yeah. can watch well, the YouTube they can see me shut back like that. But that's that's like they don't do that. And I and, yeah. and Cassie even said after the game, you know, we could do that, but that's not us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, is that the only uh, way the refs th- are going to see it? Well, it's the whole thing. Maybe you have to. I mean, this is the thing. Like, we talk about, uh, you know, these teams that flop and what have you. Uh, and the, are the optics of it great for hockey to be, like, flopping and, and silent calls? No, of course not. But I don't know. Ask the 2019 Blues or the Lightning if they give a fuck about the optics when they look at the bottom line. Do they care? Do, do the flopping make their championship DVDs? No, it's them, like, bearing <laughs> power play goals. They don't give a shit. So that's, I mean, that's what you got to do. It's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that you'd have to resort to that uh, of doing that. And you, you get the, the discourse and like other fans complaining about it of selling calls, but you know, ask, ask Tampa if they, if they regret getting all those power plays and burying them and dust and decimating the, the hurricanes, look at the blues, like it, it's not great. And that's probably more of an indictment on the league of how they're officiating these things that you have to resort to these teams that want to play through it having to like, uh, adapt that part of it to the game just to get power play reps. But you got to do something because right now playing through it and doing it is, is why you're in a three, two hole 
in, in a, a war of attrition where even if you get through this series, you're not equipped to face Tampa the next round. This is what, this is what you, you're dealt with. And that's only going to be more flopping for Tampa. So yep. yeah, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe they got to flop. Maybe, and it's embarrassing. I hate, I hate yeah. flopping. I hate it. It's the worst. Just keep playing. Um, but even like when you think about it, and this wasn't really flopping, but when Nolachari got tripped in game five, which was almost a year ago, uh, uh Monday ago. night, two years, two years ago, two years ago. Yeah. A year ago, nothing was happening, but two years ago. <laughs> um, but you remember, I, he was on the ice for a while after the trip. And I, I think it, he was legit. Didn't the concussion spotter like actually like take him out of the game? If I remember correctly, I want to say so. Yeah. He had to get looked at. I mean, he like cracked his head off the ice. So yeah. So it wasn't hope that the concussion sort of song. Well, remember that time the concussion spotter took Marshan out of a game? He was, uh, was that a year or two ago? Yeah. Yeah. So was, I think eating, that was uh, eating cheeseburgers on the ninth floor. He wasn't paying attention. Yeah. See, these players got to realize that the food up there is not what they think it is. It's not like this crazy snack bar. Even when back in the day. The food up there was like candy, popcorn, and soda, and like some pastries. It wasn't yeah. like I, I, would, I, would, I would even I would take a cheeser. I would take like the protein over like just the, the watermelon gummies. Listen, oh one hundred percent. I have nothing against the candy, but like it adds up, man. Maybe two game oh. season. Could be careful. <laughs> oh, I agree. Be- I would much. I would much rather have like protein up there and like things that are kind of good for you or at least better than watermelon <laughs> sour patch gummies um but yeah even achari when he fell uh i felt like was on the ice for too long but even he kind of sold it to official like i'm surprised no one said oh he's on the ice for so long he got tripped penalty but none of that there was none of that so it just it's so hit or miss with um with the flops and it's 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 something you just never want to see it's so annoying when your team is the one flopping and it's like damn i gotta watch this now but you're right it creates power plays. Um, another area of uh, deficiency for this Bruins team is the bottom six. And this has been talked about quite a bit. Obviously, Cassidy going into game five, took out DeBrusque, put in Kuhlman. I thought it should have been Richie who was taken out. And you put you keep DeBrusque and you'd put Kuhlman in for, for Richie. You have DeBrusque on his uh, strong side. But they actually didn't have a bad game. Advanced stats-wise, I think they outchanced... Dallas is nine to three when they're on the ice, which, yeah. which isn't too bad. And this series doesn't even matter because you're getting all the chances uh, and doesn't matter because you're still losing. But that was a sign of encouragement. The fourth line obviously is going to be a lot different now because Curtis Lazar will not play in game six. So now Cassidy's forced to make a change on the fourth line, which I think he should have done a long time ago. Uh, and this harps back to the question of is Cassidy getting out coached? Because Barry Trotz is probably the best coach in the NHL potentially, um, or at least one of the best. I mean, that Islanders roster is not one that you give to a you know, random jabroni NHL coach and he takes them consistently to the second and third round of the playoffs every year. Is Cassidy getting outcoached? Uh, I mean, I think if you look at the gamesmanship angle of it so far, it's worked out splendidly for, for trots in terms of the, you know, the Bergeron and uh, some of those other things. And I think it hasn't been a, a particularly great series. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, them trying to get back from that one goal deficit earlier in this series where you had, you know, the Corrali line out for two minutes and the winding, winding minutes of the game. And it's like, all right, at that point, it's top six all the way, right? You, you roll out as many of those guys as you can. Um, so, so far, I mean, it hasn't exactly worked out well. I mean, as you said, Trotz is as advertised as a great coach who has a, a tough system uh, and gets the most out of his players. And so far, you haven't seen that. Now, again, some of that, as it is with every criticism of a coach, falls on the players right you've got the pieces you're dealt with you know you've got this decor that should have had more depth on it um you can't you know prepare for a uh 
uh, a bottom six where you've got a guy like DeBrusque who's fallen off the map, a guy like Richie who hasn't been effective, you know. Uh, so it, it's tough when it comes to assessing the coach when you've got those pieces that aren't playing well either. But uh, I look at more or less like those games earlier in the series, like the where you could have stepped on your throat, whether it's the not going to the, the Bergeron line in crunch time quick enough or what have you that, you know, again, you, you – when it comes to the end of a series and you have to do the, you know, dissecting the, the series and what went wrong, it's always the the little things you look at. I mean, the, how would a change if Flozon didn't make that, that miscue in game two where they'd be at up 2-0 or, or what have you. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that can go, go haywire in a series, but uh, you look at, I think from the coaching perspective, yeah, I think trots is the better room so far. We'll see if Cassidy's outburst and, you know, being a little bit lighter in the wallet maybe helps them out and they get, you know, if we, they get out of game six and they've got five power plays and score on three of them, then we look at it at a different angle. But for right now, uh, yeah, I think so far the trots has been as advertised in terms of how he is as a coach and, you know, how he gets the most out of his players. Cause I think multiple lines are rolling on that Islanders team right now. It's not like it's just Barzal leading the way or even the, the killer B line, as they call it. You know, they've got Pajot, the fourth line, all those guys are making it. Yeah, identity line. Yeah, identity <laughs> line, of course. Hey, by the way, we, I, we always hope for news to break while we're recording. We do have some news that just broke. It's not that big a deal. But it is news. Yes. Bruins news. Mm-hmm. 7.30 p.m., game seven is supposed to be the start time. So 7.30 yep. on Friday night. If there's a game seven... That'll be when it starts, 7.30 p.m. Uh, so, yeah, big news. Huge news. Huge news. Um, I don't, I think we all expected it to be around that time anyway. So I don't think mm-hmm. it was, I don't think that's a huge, it's not like, oh, 4 p.m. Or it'd be awesome if they like had a typo and it was like 7.30 a.m. Yes. I think, <laughs> I think it was spoke, I think it was spoke Z, I want to say, who had, I had a tweet, I think, for the, the stat time for game six, I want to say, and it switched it to a.m. And like, I looked at it and I thought for a second that I wrote it. I was like, oh, oh shit. But no, it was spoke Z and his hijinks, uh, doing it. So who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll get another one, another switcheroo on one of our tweets tonight. Yes. 7.30. A.M. Would you be imagine that? That'd be a dead crowd for sure. There's no way there'd be a packed building for 7:30 a.m. on a Friday. Um, and I don't think many people would be going to the bars after. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Bruins fans are a different breed, so maybe they would be heading over to the Harp and Hurricanes after. Um, but yeah, that's the state of the Bruins right now. So this is not looking good. Um, I, I don't have full faith that this team can come back. And again, it it's again it's your your health in net and your health on the back end. Like if they had their roster from when they started the playoffs and you gave everybody a hundred health, they would beat the Islanders in five to six games. Like mm-hmm. we said, they would, but they don't have that. And that's part of the playoffs. And that's the hand you're dealt. And you're also dealt crap officials and crap officiating, which always hurts things in the end. Uh, Connor, before you go, is there anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, uh, obviously, depending on what happens in uh, Game 6, we'll either be doing an obituary on this 2021 Bruins season or we'll be game planning, looking ahead at a pivotal, uh, not pivotal, uh, obvious, decisive Game (laughs) 7. On on, It's kind of pivotal to win the Game 7. Yeah, sometimes. Game 8, we'll win. So regardless of what happens on uh, on Wednesday night, we're going to have a whole bunch of content over at BSA. So subscribe there over at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. 
go do all that. Hey, Bruins Blues game eight. Bruins would have won that game. All I'm yes. Um, you're right. When you're right, you're right, Evan. All I'm saying. Anyways, that is Bruins beat for this week. Uh, keep it here for all your playoff coverage. For CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins beat listeners have a great rest of your week. <laughs>